This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to OEM Industry Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I'm Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Kevin Rhodes, Chief Engineer of Electrification at AVL, about the electrification trends the company is currently seeing in the industry. Let's take a listen now. So maybe if you could just sort of start with uh, talking about some of the key trends the company is seeing regarding electrification and heavy-duty equipment. Absolutely. Well, uh, electrification in general is a big deal at ABL, and I think across really the automotive and just the whole industry is uh, altogether. Um, we're seeing a lot of interest anywhere from small mobility applications all the way up to heavy-duty off-road, um, you know, trucks and mining and, and Class 8 trucks. There's a lot of activity in the space of electrification for, you know, a multitude of reasons. Uh, specifically to the area of um, heavy-duty equipment, uh, you know, we, we see activity in, as I was mentioning, shipping, in mining, uh, off-road vehicles, and military applications. There's a lot of stuff there. Some of the biggest trends we see in terms of engineering around those applications are e-axle development. So there's a lot of, uh, especially in shipping and and things like that, being able to take uh, large existing fleets and do retrofits of e-axles that can just drop right in there and give you all of the benefits of uh, regenerative braking or, you know, looking at, uh, you know, hybridization, like a through-the-road hybrid or more advanced Mm -hmm. systems that maybe can utilize and get some of the benefits of electrification that way. Uh, A lot of interest there because of the simplicity of dropping that in and getting a lot of, you know, bang for your buck in that approach. Um, that it's really attractive for the small packaging, the high system efficiency that goes along with that, as well as the, the relatively low system weight and cost of outfitting a, a fleet for that. Um, then we also see interest in the 48 volt system. So, you know, taking a step back from where the high voltage might be, 48 volt has a lot of benefits to it as well. Uh, we see a lot of um, applications that are going to use higher voltage uh, in know, kind of straddle the fence and going with a four dedicated 48 volt line in addition to their existing high voltage and the 12 volt lines, just because being able to step down to that level gives you um, the opportunity not to, you know, additional efficiencies that you might not gain for some medium power applications. So uh, examples of those might be uh, communication systems, lighting, uh, auxiliary pumps, uh, you know, for water pumps, oil pumps, coolant pumps, as well as things like AC, so, um, you know, in trucking where you maybe pull over and need to condition the system overnight or, you know, have auxiliary power, 48-volt systems is a very good solution there. Uh, and we, of course, see 48-volt even has applications for traction, uh, being able to provide. We have in AVL some uh, e-axle applications that are based around 48-volt systems. Uh, so there's really a lot of flexibility there and interest in that one. And then also... Going to the, again to the other side of that spectrum is high voltage battery applications. So we see a lot of interest in, especially at higher powers, going and looking at something like the 800 volt to 1000 volt systems. 
Um, and, and that way, you know, you can get around some of the higher currents that might be needed to uh, provide the necessary power for those larger applications by going to the higher voltage, downsize some of your um, electrical distribution system and your cabling, save cost and weight there, uh, and package space, of course. Uh, and also just the design of those batteries needs to be taken into account to account for the ruggedization that's necessary for off-road and industrial applications, uh, making sure they're fully safety, they have all the safety they need. And, you know, special considerations like vibration and shock, as well as uh, for the large batteries systems that would be need needed to give the kind of energy for these large applications. Sometimes it's necessary to break those packs up into separate sub packs um, mm -hmm. to allow for, you know, not a single pack, which would be any kind of flexure in that due to uh, takeoff or, or deceleration could lead to degradation of the, the welds or the connections inside of there. So, so looking at special designs for high voltage systems to kind of modular, make it modular and break them up to address some of those special needs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are there any specific types of components or systems AVL is focusing its electrification design efforts on? Or are you guys kind of looking at the gamut of whatever uh, manufacturers or OEMs are looking for? Or? Well, so AVL as a whole, we've got a long, um, long history of powertrain development. So about 70 years in conventional. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, our, you know, our goal for 2025 is, and we're, we're on path to do this, is to make a third of our overall um, you know, work and our revenues to be based on electrification and then a third on conventional and a thin a third on autonomous. So we, and of course autonomous and, and electrification are, are very, very linked for a lot of reasons. So we, we do a lot in, um, you know, not only classifications, as I mentioned, from small applications to large, but the, um, in terms of the components we work on, um, we work on everything from power electronics and control systems. So that would be like your inverter, your DC-DC, uh, your control systems, all the software, and then your charging systems, uh, as well as driveline systems. So as I mentioned, e-axles, e-motors, 48-volt uh, mild hybrid systems, things like that. And then uh, drives and actuators with the actual well, I mentioned e-motors, but auxiliary pumps and things, design and, and development of motors, and energy storage, of course. So batteries is a huge thing. But we also work very a lot in fuel cells as well, which is you know, tied very intimately with that, and that falls under electrification for us. Uh, and, you know, but we don't just do component design. We also have experts across the all over the world, you know, we're a global company, uh, looking at simulation, benchmarking of all of, you know, industrial machinery, uh, you know, passenger car, everything in between, as well as doing functional safety, hardware design, software design, um, and, you know, really anything that would fit between concept all the way up to start of production. The only place we don't really normally play is in manufacturing, mm -hmm. but that's where we leverage a lot of our resources and partnerships um, to come up with, you know, manufacturing partners as necessary for our, our customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are there any challenges associated with developing electric vehicle components and systems you guys are seeing and what might be some ways of overcoming those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, uh, electrification is a very nice in uh, many respects that there's maybe not as many moving parts as you might have or as many components, um, but there's definitely challenges associated with going from a whole industry that's based around an internal combustion system into something that's based around electrification. Mm -hmm. As you might imagine, a lot of the people who have whole careers and expertise build up, and there's a lot that we can truly just transfer from that within conventional OEMs or, you know, uh, new players here. They have a lot of expertise, but it's not necessarily focused in operating in high voltage or in, in the type of control systems and algorithms that are necessary for implementing these type of systems. So, 
we're, you know, we fill a niche in that aspect for coming in and being able to support with the expertise we do have there, uh, both in training as well as development and engineering support. Um, so that's a big one is, is you know, as this, this, this area starts to grow and becomes, uh, you know, bigger and people, everyone's jumping on. And, and that's where we're seeing uh, because just electrification has so many benefits to it beyond just, you know, the obvious efficiencies and, and emissions, but costs and, and other things over the long term, they're going to be taken into account. Um, so expertise is one. I think that uh, we, we fill a niche there. Cell availability is one of the key aspects, though. I see it in terms of um, challenges to implementing a system. So being able to get a hold of these cells right now uh, can be a challenge depending on the volume you're looking at. Uh, and we see that a lot, and we do consult with that in terms of cell selection, cell availability. Um, for most, you know, applications, be it a prototype or something that doesn't want to go into, uh, you know, a full-scale production line type of application, cylindrical cells uh, like uh, 18650s or 21700 type cells are an excellent option because they're available and they're commoditized for the electronics industry. They, they do excellent performance, you know, and they can be designed well there. But that is one... If if you wanted to get into more um, aggressive chemistries or more, you know, like prismatic and pouch cells, there can be challenges because you need to work out a partnership with the cell supplier. And we can assist with that as well. We have contacts and we have a lot of expertise there, but that's one area. The other area I think would be um, that it's a rapidly advancing area. Uh, there's a lot of changes going on with it. Uh, even in the, you know, it's about 15 years I've been working specifically in this since I got my doctorate was to we've seen massive changes in what are the power levels we're working with here mm -hmm. um, you know even five ten years ago 50 kilowatts is going to be a big charger for a passenger car and now you know you see 150 you see up to 400 kilowatt stations that you know can distribute power uh, it's it's rapidly advancing just because of the availability and the, the rapidly decreasing cost of some of these components I think the last one I want to point out probably is uh, global regulations. So mm -hmm. regulations are a huge issue when you're trying to design a you know, commercial application and you wanna make it global. Um, we have a bit of an advantage because we do have expertise, expertise both in China and, and Europe and is in the United States, but those are rapidly advancing and it depends on a lot of, a lot of things that you know, nobody can really directly control, the you know, uh, geopolitical climates, uh, the pandemic itself could have a major impact on, you know, the how people push forward with what the regulations or incentives are there. And in order to be a competitor in this space, you really have to have a grasp on what those regulations are so that you're not surprised later on how to do the proper testing. And, you know, I think we can support a lot of that. And that's, that's definitely a challenging area, though. Mm -hmm. All right. And so do you guys, how do you you see foresee electrification progressing in the coming years is it i mean it seems like it's just going to continue advancing is it going to keep going to higher power levels is there certain types of power systems which might overtake others or do you have any thoughts on that you know it's a uh, if i had all the right answers <laughs> i would be playing the stock market and i wouldn't have to work but i would tell you that from what i can see it's a um, it's, it's very diverse and there's a lot of things that are gonna happen. Um, you know, as I mentioned, because of the diversity of, of uh, regional regulations and things like that, there's some changes there. Uh, of course, there's, um, there, but overall I'd say what we're gonna see is a trend towards cost reduction. Uh, we're gonna see a lot more 
uh, normalization of electrification, and it's going to be a lot of the components are going to be driven towards a commodity item, and I think that's important because right now a lot of things have to be custom made. Uh, there's a lot of applications that you know uh, you have a specific need for uh, your fleet. You want to design a custom solution, and a lot of times there's nothing available to pull off the shelf. But a lot of components, for example, DC DCs or chargers or um, DC to AC modules, so like inverters. I think we'll see a lot of those becoming standardized as people kind of normalize what the power levels are and what the usage cases are. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. That's going to drive down cost through volume. And I think uh, you'll be able to see something similar happening in the, the region of batteries, which of course is a huge cost driver for the overall system. Um, you know, as we get more to the chemistries are advancing, you know, there's always the next step of chemistry to come along. Um, and there's a lot of things to look forward to advancing that. And they've steadily progressed in reducing that cost. And I think that as new, new manufacturers come online, I know there's, there's talks about things happening in, in Europe and the United States and other things like that. We're going to see com competition in that region. We're going to see the, the prices continue to come down. And I think right now is really a great time to get into that space because it's, it's just going to continue moving very rapidly. And, and if you're not getting on board with it right now uh, as a company, um, you're going to be left behind to some extent. And you really need to at least be, be advancing your knowledge of that and be ready for the changes that are going to be coming in the next, you know, five, 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Specific um, systems, you know, we could talk about, is it going to be uh, lithium ion batteries that do this? Will there be some new chemistry? Is it going to be fuel cell based? You see a lot of different companies looking at, you know, how does that interplay between fuel cells and batteries happen? I think that's going to be a very interesting space to look at in the future. I don't know how that's all going to play out. Again, it comes into a lot of things with fuel cells being driven by, um, you know, rare, you know, different, you know, different metals and things that are available as well as similarly in batteries, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see a lot of competition there, but I think there's some interesting companies that we've seen coming onto the market that are at least taking risks and, and really pushing forward. And a lot's going to come out of, you know, how do they fare and, you know, does the infrastructure develop along with it? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of things to be uh, to be looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for providing your insights today. Absolutely. Very happy to do it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of OEM Industry Update. Thank you again to Kevin for providing his insights into current electrification trends. And be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry.